Danglin' After Dark with Dick Dangle, episode 458. Features guest host Dahlia D, get to know your dangle, and an interview with the incredible Daisy Taylor. Warning, this show is only for adults who like sex. Does your dick hang low? Does it dangle to and fro? Can you tie it in a knot? Can you tie it in a bow? (laughs) Don't worry. Dick will be coming. Welcome to the Covert Nation. Here he is. Dick Jangle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 458 of Dangling After Dark with Dick Dangle. Welcome to the Pervert Nation. I am your host, Dick Dangle, and joining me for this episode is the beautiful Uh. model cam creator extraordinaire Uh. from the great White Norris. She's already moaning because she loves herself that much. <laughs> she is the poutine princess and the mistress of moisture. It is Dahlia D. How are you doing today? <laughs> Imagine I was like bad after all that moaning. I'm not doing so great. <laughs> yeah. I'm all no, right. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> Can't have an intro like that and be like anything less than just stellar. So. I'm fantastic. I, I'm glad to hear that. But the question is, oh my. Dick. Yes. How are you? <laughs> uh, I am doing well. I am halfway through an energy drink, which may really make this an interesting episode. And you napped. Damn. That's basically like the nap. old people equivalent of speed. You know what? This work shit is for the birds. It absolutely is. It 100% is. You know, getting up at the ass crack of dawn, going to work, getting home, making myself something to eat, and then having to do work on the house and then have a podcast wrapped around it. I just need to be somebody's, I need to be like a a sugar, I need a sugar mama. You heard it here first, ladies. That's right. (laughs) Anybody wants a cute little ginger pet? That's right. You just, uh. What's the email? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me worried to put it out. Dick at danglinafterdark.com. There we go, sugar mamas. That's right. Where to go. If you're wondering what I'm all about, uh, there's a scene that I'm in, and you could judge me harshly or nicely by that to see if I will actually fit uh, the role that I hope to play in your life for money. That is beautiful. Thank you. That is really well phrased. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's what I do for a living, kind of. On that note, uh, we do have a viewer question. Oh, already? Holy we do, smokes. Yes. Dick, <clears throat> are you ready for this? I, I am very ready for this. Okay. Do you keep a pair of gray sweats in your trunk? <laughs> in my trunk. Um, I will tell you this. In my day job. (laughs) 
Short answer, yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Well, to be honest, it's a yes and a no because in my regular day job, I am self-employed. I am my only employee. I'm the boss of myself. Damn straight. And because my job is so active, I can wear what I want. So my typical wardrobe all year round is gray sweatpants. But do you keep some in your trunk? Just like to have them on hand just in case like Clark Kent and his, (laughs) you know, got to go change real quick. (laughs) That would be the most awesome phone booth change you would ever want to watch in your life. Wouldn't it? It's like you're dressing down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do not, but this means I might have to, but I may score a couple of points on their scale. I do have a cleanup towel in the center console of my vehicle. Ew, why? (laughs) I have so many questions and I don't think I want the answer to any of them. (laughs) No, no, now you have to ask, please. Oh, God. What kinds of, oh, no. What kinds of messes are you making in your car? You know, just in case uh, a lovely lady that has, uh, you know, we've met and our attention is with each other and we decide to share a moment in the vehicle. How often has that happened to you, Dick? Not in my new car, but in every car I've ever had. Are you serious? Swear to God. You just pick up some rando and you're like, want to fuck in my car? 100%. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, the last time it was some uh, older lady pruning a tree and I'm just like, you know what? We got to go in the back seat here. Are Um, you fucking serious? I have had sex in every vehicle that I have owned with a significant other, except for this vehicle, because I haven't dated anyone since I got it. So, Ew, is it the same towel? Of course it's not. Oh, that's kind of disappointing. I was hoping that you had like a sentimental, like dirty console towel. (laughs) Well, you first, you made it sound like I was going to be a monster if I said yes. Well, I thought that you were sitting there like jerking off in your car, like using this towel to wipe up and you just got this thing that stands on its own at this point. (laughs) Do you just cut wood in this car? What's that smell? <laughs> oh, yep. Not even five minutes in. Good no, job, Dick. Not I'm even proud of you. You're very welcome. Oh Christ! You no, know, I, I. It takes a pretty special moment in my life for me to masturbate to completion in my car. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah, you haven't gotten down with like your car self in a while. I have not. That's kind of sad. In a way, yes, but I do have a very long drive to Chicago for Exotica. So if it's going to happen, it's good. (laughs) More than likely, it's going to be coming home because I want to make sure that I have all the bullets in the magazine for when I'm out there. Oh, my God. I don't want to empty the chamber on the way out. Watch, and then you're going to nut in like two seconds. I thought that when I was in (laughs) Vegas, and that did not happen. (laughs) Amazing. I'm glad that we are off to such a fantastic (laughs) 
star today. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, is, and that does. Great. I, I'm glad that uh, person wrote that question in because I do need to buy some new gray sweatpants for. And I kind of feel like you should have a pair of pants in your trunk. Like, like if you're going so far as to have like a nasty little like console rag, right? you should probably have like a change of pants in your trunk because like. Mm. Let's be honest, you're far more likely to make a mess of your pants than to need a, a console rag. So what you're saying is I orgasm so strong I shit my pants? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Nah, yeah, that's uh, that would be a new one for sure. But if you do, there's no shame. Oh, there! I would bring it to this show immediately. No one is judging you, Dick. Yeah. No one is judging you. <laughs> You'd be like, so I have a story for you. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Actually. Oh, no. Well, that's it then. That's that's the dragon that we're going to be chasing for the rest of our lives is just that story. So you're going to have to try for some real hard nuts. Maybe eat some questionable food. And... 20 episodes out, it's going to be like, D, it happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'll just message you on Twitter privately and be like, you need to record with me tonight. Today, I used the trunk shorts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the and trunk the towel. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and, I, and I dragged my ass through the grass like a dog with worms. No! Oh, no, Dick, no. I'm spraying you like a dog right now. Okay. No. <laughs> Bad. <Okay>. No. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> One of these days you're going to make me full on hurl. Uh, and I am working so hard for that day. You have no idea. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so with this episode, fine listeners, either on Discord or in Pervert Nation. We have uh, a couple things that we are going to get to. And one of them is in the second half of this show, you are going to get an interview with the incredible Daisy Taylor. Mm. And I will talk about that at the end of the first half. The interview is in the second half. But we're going to have a lot of fun here in the first half of the show. I have no doubt. I'm putting you in the hot seat, so okay. it's going to be fun. Well, I'm glad you said hot seat because that's the first thing I want to talk about. Oh, okay. But you know what? No, I'm going to tease it. I, I'm going to fed you right now, and we're <gasps> and we're going to get to something because if I don't do this now, I will forget because I forgot it the last time we recorded. Okay. Well, now you can't forget again, so out with it. Exactly. So I would say four or five episodes ago of us recording together. You had talked about being either on Discord or in the chat of your cam show where you talked about having the listeners or, or having men fill a kiddie pool of jizz. <laughs> yes, the cum math. <laughs> Correct. So you said, oh, you know, in like 20 or 30,000 loads and you'd be set. Right. Or no, you said an Olympic pool or something like that. You said a pool pool, not a kiddie pool. Yeah, no, this was like an actual swimming pool. Right. So in doing some, like when you said that, I'm like, that's not right. 
Okay. So the average load <laughs> is about a teaspoon, roughly. Yes. yes. So there are 768 teaspoons in a gallon. Okay. Which means in a 2,000-gallon pool, that would be 1.536 million loads. Child's play. <laughs> Child's play. Um, well, I would imagine with what you bring to your cam shows and your content, I would think most men could double that. Amount. You think so, Dick? Yeah, have so, you have you watched one of my cam shows? <laughs> if you would cam <laughs> at, at human hours, that would be great. <laughs> we'll get there. I promise you. I promise Discord. I promise the listeners. I will watch a show soon enough. You better. You better. Yes. So, it's been getting pretty intense lately. Oh, oh. Well, that is very good to know. Oh, yeah. Well, then, you know, now I have to watch one. You do. Yeah. It'll be unlike anything you've ever experienced. I would even say it's worth taking the day off work to just <laughs> see my cam show. But All right. All right. maybe that's just me. I don't know. Well, it is good that you hold yourself in such light that you believe this to be true, which makes me believe that it's true. Good. Yeah. Because it is true. So, but, but with even just the views on my free site videos okay if i can assume that a third of the people who have watched my videos have come to them i could fill that pool wow <laughs> yeah that's, <laughs> that's like rock star there that's like a lot of cum yeah that, that is true yes <laughs> so much cum. what am i gonna do with all this cum? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh so just so we know, just so we're clear, over the course of my career, I have most definitely filled a pool with cum. Oh, well, that's not even in question. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, that's a flex, though. Uh, that is true. Like 1.5 million cum shots. I could fill a pool with the cum that y'all have blown to me. And that's just, honestly, it's an honor. What I think you need to do is make a mcdonald's style sign with your initials and have the amount of loads thrown like <laughs> the amount of people served underneath it <laughs> oh like it's impossible but like damn and you know what i bet you that number is way higher than anyone ever thought oh for sure because that's just the people who like aren't in incognito mode that's like you know not counting like the repeat visitors. Right. Dang. I'm telling That's a lot of cum. <laughs> that sure is. Yes. Too it bad is. it's not like food. <laughs> I don't even know what you mean by that. Be set for life. Like, what am I oh, gonna do with all this cum? Like it's a byproduct of like this whole career, but like, come on, guys. <laughs> Give me something I can work with. <laughs> so you you could literally be like a semen doomsday prepper. <laughs> right. So much cum. just jars and cans as far as the eye can see <laughs> in your bunker, in your stripper pole bunker full of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> now, I kind of love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you guys for all of your cum. Yeah, I really do right. appreciate it. <laughs> Find a use for it one day. That's right.
As long as you're not like mailing it to me, I guess we're good. That would be odd. Yeah. (laughs) So, Dolly, I think you're going to really enjoy this story. I think I am, just from the way that you said that. Yes. I don't know if you happen to catch it, but earlier in the week, I talked about having a bank card screw up. (laughs) So so for for the listeners, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you're missing out at the Dick Dangle. But what what happened is I have three different bank cards. Thank you very much. And (laughs) You know, I open these accounts at different times and I have one for like my regular work job, my business checking. I have a personal and then I actually have one for the podcast. Okay. And I get a new card. I activate a card. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, I have to cut the old one apart because... (laughs) You know, I don't want to forget about it and get confused. So I take a card and I start cutting it up. I went, this is the wrong card, isn't it? And and I looked and I was correct. It was the wrong card. Just chopping up your bank yeah, Oh, yeah. Like, that's how much. Some kind of baller. Yeah, right. That's how much money I got. I'm just cutting cards, bitch. So... <laughs> luckily, like I thought it was funny immediately. And, oh, thank uh, goodness. Yeah, luckily, uh, I live just a couple minutes from my bank. So I take the cut card as a joke, you know, and I take it over. I'm like, I need a, a new card. And I told him what happened. And, you know, they, they were laughing. And the woman said that, which I didn't even really think about. She goes, you know, if you have enough of your card, it can still work. And I went, how? And she said, well, because they're chip readers now. Oh, right. Yeah, so as long as you literally have enough to put the, the chip into the machine and be able to pull it back out, you could still use it. I'm like, I never even thought about that. But that's the first thing I cut through, of course. Oh, well, now you know in the future, cut the chip if you're uh, cutting up an old card. Oh, for sure. You cut you cut through the magnet strip and the, the chip. Very important. So I'm like, all right, well, now I have to wait seven to 10 business days for the new card to come, which it's not a big deal. I have the other two cards and I'm not going to use the one for the podcast. That's for trips. That's for expenses to the show. Right. So I have to use my savings card. Not a big deal. (laughs) So I go to a local grocery store and uh, get my stuff, go to check out. And the guy is ringing my stuff through and I says, okay, if I put the card in the reader. And he says, yes. So I put it in. And like, debit or credit? Debit. What's your PIN number? <gasps> oh, shit. The saga continues. <laughs> I haven't used this card in so long that I couldn't remember the PIN number. Oh, my God. So, and I, I have, well, wait, Oh, you just wait. So... <laughs> I have uh, I have two people behind me in line, and the guy's still ringing things up, but he's almost done. Okay. And it it dawns on me that okay, you made your pin numbers easy to remember <laughs> just for these types of emergencies. Did you though? I did. 
So, okay. And of course, they're all dirty. Oh, of course. So that's how I'm going to remember. I'm like, okay. Confirmed Dick's pin number is 696969. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you the one because I had to change it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, the one I cut apart is this. And the one for the podcast is this. Which which one is this? <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I and it hits me, and because I'm wrapped up in my own thoughts and in my head, I just went, ah, anal. No! And, and the guy, he's ringing up <laughs> like a loaf of bread, and he stops, and he just looks at me. Oh, and, my God. And, and I look to, to my left, and this old woman is like, what? Oh my god. She's like, I'm down. Yeah, right. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Like, <laughs> right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, I got a towel in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so well played. Thank you very much. Callbacks are amazing. Oh, I took well your done. waitresses. I'm here all night. So oh. yeah, it was one of those. Uh, oops, I think I need to change this one when I get home. So it was just one of those really funny moments to watch two people look at a stranger who just yelled anal at the checkout of a grocery store. Damn. Yeah. That is hilarious. I'm so glad that that story continued because when you posted that on Twitter, I laughed out loud. Like it was the opposite of like Schadenfreude for me. Like I yes. died laughing. Like oh my god, <laughs> I was laughing with you. Like laughing with you, but oh, like one hundred percent. Oh my god, yeah, it was so funny. Dick Dangle of two years ago would have been very upset with himself and yeah. would have not found the humor in it. But with all of the work that I have done in my brain and, and to myself and for myself, I'm able to easily look past these things that are just like, ah, you know, what are you going to do? I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the same way. Like, the older I get, the less I rage about stuff and the more I'm just like, oh, D, you silly goose. <laughs> <laughs> you whippersnapper. Right? I'm just like, oh, you're so silly. <laughs> <laughs> another fuck up from dahlia <laughs> right and, that, and that's what it is it's almost like one of those bad 80s sitcom moments where the person looks into the camera to break the third wall and just like wah, wah, you know? oh yeah or is, exactly or is that the fourth wall fourth wall fourth wall fourth wall yeah but anyway, yeah yeah whatever you're breaking walls it's yeah all that's nothing. right yeah okay yeah so but, uh, okay yes <laughs> i have been wanting for a while to like ask you some very targeted questions. Oh, targeted questions. About targeted okay. questions. I I don't know how she ended up in the trunk of my car. I feel like I'm not the person that should be asking you those questions. Oh, not that targeted. I gotcha. Not qualified. Okay. <laughs> we'll just. Is, is that a pair of gray shorts? <laughs> 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 I actually wore those to work today. <laughs> Did you? Oh yeah, I love those shorts. Oh, so do I. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so as you get closer and closer to your monumental episode of episode 500. Oh, yes. Yes. I feel like we should kind of like recap things, first of all. Okay. 
what started the dick dangle journey? Like, what was your first encounter with porn and how did it like grow from there? I'll leave the grow joke alone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My first, because I'm old man dangle. And by the way, the wig has shown up. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. I need to see it. Yeah. Well, we'll maybe we'll have to do a side recording and I'll wear the wig and we could be on camera and you'll have a good laugh. That's amazing. I've actually been developing a new old man voice. (laughs) I have, I've been working on it in the mirror. Okay. Maybe I'll give you guys a little teaser of it at some point today, but it's like an old mafioso voice. Oh, very nice. It's going to come out at some point. So, so what was your first encounter with the world of porn? I was probably in the neighborhood of 12 years old. Okay. And I remember sleeping over at a relative's house and everyone. Why is it going in this direction? Okay. Well, because that's where porn is right now. (laughs) And everyone was in bed and I was up because I've always been a night person. So I was up. And I'm flipping around the channels, and because I didn't know their channel system, right? I'm flipping through, and back in the old days, <laughs> they, they had they they wouldn't completely block a signal; they would scramble it. Yes. So I watched. It was Playboy, <laughs> and they had another channel, and that that channel is escaping me right now. It was called the Spice Network. Yeah. And uh, I was able to watch Scramble Porn. Oh, my God. Where you're just, like, staring at the screen for 10 minutes just trying to catch one single nipple? Pretty much, yeah. Or, one nipple! <laughs> or hope the camera didn't move so much that if two people were, were having sex, it would kind of freeze on it. So you could just kind of see the motion. <laughs> and the colors never matched up. It was like watching a 1970s music video in like hyper negative color. You know, it was really weird. And, and then, so were you enthralled right off the hop? Oh, you have no idea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know before you had like seen that, where, did you have like a good like understanding of like, you know, what sex was or was this kind of just like a holy shit, what is that? It truly was because I I saw it and I was immediately enamored with it. It was almost like my brain goes, you know exactly what this is. <laughs> okay. And cool. I remember the first time I ever masturbated. Really? Because it was within a couple of months of that, and I was there again. And what? <laughs> <laughs> just jerking off at your cousin's house? Like, no, uh, <laughs> I can hear you blushing. No, well, I'm not because I'm trying to be very delicate about it. Um, okay. My parents were like. <laughs> Get the fuck out of the house. So I had relatives that be like, just stay the weekend and you'll be out of their hair. Gotcha. And that's what it was. So like every second or third weekend, I would stay with relatives. Okay. And I didn't know what masturbation was at all. Right. So I see it and and I feel a bit of a tingle. (laughs) Okay. And I, I go to inspect 
said tingle, you want to talk about two strokes, like <laughs> really? And and I was so young that I didn't expel anything. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. And uh, yeah, so. And it, to be honest, it kind of hurt because <laughs> it was what? such, really? yeah, it was such a unique feeling. Um, yeah, but it wasn't enough that made me go, don't do that again. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> it was literally like, if you are going to perfect and hone one craft in your life, oh my God. it is this. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was a scramble vision porn and then. Um, not too far after that, maybe a couple of years, a year and a half, a high school friend of mine, or I guess that would be kind of middle school. Um, he, I, I had, uh, the house to myself. Oh, dang. Didn't have to go to your cousin's house. Right, right. <laughs> and my friend brought, uh, a VHS of an adult film. Oh, dang. Moving on up. Yeah. You went from scrambled to a VHS that quick. That's impressive. Yeah, for sure. And it was just like, pew, like it was just completely blew my mind. And then what's crazy is what I, I think the my first actual now, are we saying porn or adult stuff? Because I may have seen a magazine a little bit before that, but no, no, porn, like legit. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. So that, that would have been, yeah, 12. Like, uh, so wait, so your friend came over with a VHS and you guys, what, just watch it together? <laughs> he was one of those people because he had an older brother that he was very, um, he had a lot of machismo. Okay. And he was going to teach his younger brother the machismo. Ew. Kind of weird. So, he showed him this and then he brought it to me and it was just kind of like, it, it was like watching, it was like the double rainbow guy. Oh my God. It's like, whoa, <laughs> that's how that all works. Speaking of double rainbow, I have to throw this out there because it just happened to me last night and it was like the craziest thing. Okay. Um, I was filming a crazy like whipped cream video, which launches... <laughs> tomorrow it'll be out by the time this episode is out just saying okay. uh and i was rubbing it in and you know how whipped cream is like super oily mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so the way that the light was hitting my butt it made a booty rainbow on my ass cheek so if you watch this video on the one side of my butt cheek there's just a rainbow being cast <laughs> by the whipped cream on my ass cheek and this beautiful and I'm just like having a double rainbow moment, like a booty <laughs> rainbow. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. <laughs> but you know what kills me about your whole story so far is that kids, these not kids, people coming of age these days will never understand the coming of age rite of passage that is watching porn with other people because you didn't have a choice. Very true. Like the internet is such a personal thing. Like everyone, you know, 12 and up has a freaking cell phone that connects to the internet. Right. Like everyone's just watching porn by themselves under their blankets, like God intended. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, nobody's like having porn watching parties or whatever. But for us, like those of us that were born in like the 80s, 90s, I don't know, maybe earlier, maybe later. Like a lot of us, our first couple of experiences or whatever with porn was watching it with somebody else because you couldn't get it elsewhere and it was like this like oh you know yeah for sure and that's what's funny 
Tom Segura and Christina P. They <laughs> they have their podcast, Your Mom's House. Okay. They were talking about like family members, like like a father passing down adult material to their sons. And they're like, don't you think that's weird because you're like whacking it to what your father whacked it to? Right. But that was just like the way you did things that, before. You're not going to spend works. fucking $17 on a Hustler magazine and then just toss it when you're done. Oh, everyone shared magazines. Oh, yeah. Everyone you know, there's like this VHS. whole phenomenon of like the forest porn. That's like also not going to be a thing anymore where you just like walk through the forest right. and there'd be like an old like jerk off mag, like just kicking it Ooh. in the woods or a bag, a garbage bag is a really common thing. Okay, well, that actually plays very well into something that happened today. Oh, my God. What? And, and this may literally be the next evolution, the, the next evolutional step oh, of no. this process. I found an SD memory card today. Oh, shit. Right. Did you open it up and see what was on Not it? Not yet, because you just reminded me that I found it. Oh my god! Watch as there's like a murder on it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be something absolutely horrible. That would be your luck, or right. <laughs> like some sort of really horrible porn that you're like not into at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, it's like the next iteration of it, and it's so funny. Like it's just like a completely different culture now. Like thinking back to like literally like watching hours and hours of TV just to catch five minutes of titty on the Scramble Channel, right? Or like you know like jerking off like with a whole bunch of other people around you, but like everyone's pretending that they're not jerking off, but you're all jerking off, you know? Well, no, that's what, that was the weird thing. Like even in my teenage years and in college, if for some reason there was a quote unquote watch party, none of that happened. Oh, your friends were playing pool in their pockets, buddy. Uh, maybe I know I wasn't because for me <laughs> it was like, I must learn. I must become a ninja. No, I must become a Jedi. A dick Jedi. And absorb all of this information. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently while I'm taking loads to the back of the head. Amazing. You're like, why is my hair sticky? Yeah. My hair's always sticky after I hang out with Brian. <laughs> oh, damn you, Brian. God damn it, Brian. <laughs> Hands in his pockets. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I apologize if anybody listening is named Brian. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like where it started was literally like the the rite of passage of like watching porn on a VHS with one of your friends. That's that's interesting. And then so there from there it was like what like an addiction. Like did you immediately start collecting porn and like you were like I need to be a part of this industry or like how did that like blossom? I was always a viewer of, but I never, I never considered it addiction. And I actually still don't because, right. you know, the, the idea of being addicted to something is having it affect your daily life, normal function. Right. And it, and it never did. That's good. But, Sorry. I shouldn't use the word addiction. Then yeah. like obsession. Uh, that, <laughs> that may be better. Yeah. Okay. Because anytime I would watch it, even if it was something that didn't really appeal to me, I would still watch it. You're like, I need to learn. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what it was, kind of. You know, it was like, oh, okay, well, maybe if I watch and I see a performer that I like, then I can seek them out instead, right. of, instead of the scene. So, 
It wasn't as easy as just a Google search back in the day. Oh, no. You had to go to your local video store, remember that name, and <laughs> and see if you could rent or buy something with her name in it. Where I got, looking back on it, I was beyond lucky. When I got out of college, I worked in a movie rental store. Okay. And they had adult movies. Right. So I would literally take a stack of them home. <laughs> weekend and and watch and then take them back oh man you know the next day over the next couple days stuff like that that's so funny and just again like the thought of passing this material hand to hand like y'all were not sanitizing those vhs's in between of course we. (laughs) you got these dirty dudes with their fucking cummy hands just pulling the tape out of the vhs putting it back in the sheath be kind rewind right nasty semen all over the place and then you just bring it back well, we're not jizzing Welcome into the VCR. <laughs> You're not jizzing in it, but like how many of you are actually washing your hands in between like finishing and trying to get that VHS out of the fucking player before the rest of the family comes home? I look at this reference like I look at people that wipe off the handle of their shopping cart with an alcohol wipe before they go into the store. Yeah. Everyone's got calm hands. I am. Yeah. But the thing is, I don't do that. Like, if anything, I have hand sanitizer on the car and I wait till I no, get No, you just lick it. <laughs> that's, and that, that's my thing. I don't lick the handle of the shopping cart before I go into the store. Like, I'm not going to lick the VHS tape, you know, that I know. I'm not some kind of animal. I right. lick my hands clean. Right. <laughs> now you got it. No, but like, okay, like, yeah. Okay, so nobody's washing their hands. Extra gross. Like, I get that people are not coming in the VHS. That would probably ruin the tape. You are correct. I wonder if it would ruin the tape. Yes. Anyways. (laughs) But, like, just the idea of, like, passing pornographic, physical pornographic material hand-to-hand like that. Like, it's a different world. It's a different time. It was a better world then. You think? We were closer as human beings. Uh, our immune... Y'all were connected by the cum hands. That's right. You just That's see it. you just see the strings of fluid between our fingers. <sighs> we were definitely less sick than we are now. Like physically sick. Okay. That's why COVID exists, because right. nobody's fucking touching cum hands oh, anymore. God damn it, we just solved it. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's the mystery of COVID solved. We need more physical porn and we need to be passing it hand to hand. It makes complete sense. That's disgusting. Wow. That might just be the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. That's not bad. No, right? It's pretty good. (sighs) Back back in the old days. (laughs) (laughs) Passing our pornography back and forth, it gave us this strength that the people today just don't have. I remember. <laughs> you know, before they had eight millimeter film, they would draw naughty cartoons. And then before that, when I was a child, they had cave paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. 
<laughs> back in the day. That's beautiful. So <laughs> you've progressed from working at the video store and touching, you know, other people's semen remnants. Oh, massive amounts, for sure. Massive amounts of semen remnants. There were times where I knew the people so well that, you know, I would give a little, like if they were taking a movie that I knew they were going to like, I just give them that nod, like, you know. That. Yeah, because you can't full out say, like, you're going to love jerking off to this one, friend. Correct. Because that's weird. Yeah, but for some would... reason, passing the VHS fucking back and forth is not. But anyway. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that is so great. So, okay, after the video store, how did that kind of blossom into – how how long was it But bef- bef- holy cow, I can't even talk right now. <laughs> I'm getting too excited. Understandable. <laughs> Try this again. How long between this VHS experience, like working at the adult store and and renting all these VHSs and starting to want to become a part of the industry, how big of a a gap was there in between those two things? Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say 10 years. 10 years. Wow. Yeah, because. You really dedicated time to becoming the Jedi. Correct. (laughs) Because. There was probably 10 years, maybe nine, somewhere in that neighborhood between leaving the video store and going to my first AVN convention. Was that, did that happen before you decided to do the podcast? 100%. My first AVN convention was 2008. Oh, wow. And my first convention as Dick Dangle was 2016. So we actually have a viewer question that is... Related to that, did you come up with your name because your dick dangles in a particular manner? Or how did you come up with (laughs) the name Dick Dangle? Was it just like pleasant alliteration? That just is happenstance, to be honest. The way that most people know how to come up with your performer name, stripper name, whatever, is your first name is your first pet name. Right. And yours was Dick. Right. Yes. I had a very. I had a cat named Dick. Right. (laughs) And the last name is the first street you lived on. Okay. So my name was so bad. Also alliterative, but it was so bad that, like, okay, even as a joke, I couldn't. What would it have been? Uh, Cassidy Crawford. No, that's definitely a porn star name. <laughs> also, you had an animal named Cassidy. The I ha- fuck? I had a rabbit. You named your rabbit Cassidy? Hop along Cassidy. Oh, my Lanta. I was adorable. You couldn't have been Hop along Crawford? Hop along. <laughs> no, that would have been weird. But anyway. <laughs> so, like, that really wasn't going to work for me. Right. So, Cassidy Crawford. That's a good one. I'm going to like put that in the back pocket, actually. <laughs> it's kind of growing on me, honestly. Right? It's like a sexy sex name for sure. A sexy sex name. Okay. Yeah. Cassidy Crawford. <laughs> so I wanted something that had a little bit more panache, something right. a little bit more gravitas. Okay. And I wanted a name that had kind of a like a cheesy superhero feel to it. Okay. And, you know, maybe like on the lines of like Indiana Jones or something like that. And I'll never forget it. 
I was working out at a gym and a very good friend of mine was who worked there. I was talking to and we were having this discussion and he was spotting you and you saw his dick dangling and you were like, (gasps) it wasn't that I saw his dick dangling. No! Is that is while I was doing the bench press, I actually felt it on my face as he was spotting me because it was like, "Hey, um, you you want it, it? This is it's really tough to do this right now." Anyway, <laughs> no, that didn't happen at all. So, <laughs> oh no, because if that's how the story went down, then your name would have been like Dick Rubs or Dick Boops or something. Uh, yeah, like uh, excuse me. Uh, could you get your thing out of my mouth, please? <laughs> uh, it was like, man, I, I just, I want a cool name. And, yeah. you know, we were trying to come up with one and I literally like Superman, I threw my hips on my side and I looked off into the distance in another direction and I just went dick dangle like that. And he just, he looked at me like I was out of my mind and it was the greatest idea I'd ever heard of at the same time. And then you were like, yep, this is perfect. That's the one. Damn. Yeah. And then. hell of an answer. Yeah. And then I would say it was about um, from when I came up with that name to when I started the podcast was probably about a year. Had you been hardcore collecting at this point? Like, did that start prior? Yeah, for sure. I was collecting some VHS, but once DVDs really started taking off and they were at a decent price point, I went absolutely mad. Really? Do you still remember what your first VHS was that like was like a conscious collection and not just something that like you stumbled upon in the forest? <laughs> the first series that I there were actually two that I really um, enjoyed. Like where you're consciously like, I am collecting this. Yes. Right. And there was, I don't know if the company still exists. I, and I can't remember what the company was that I bought it from. But what they would do is you would get four films on one DVD, two films on each side. Okay. And it was like, all right, you buy these four films and it's this much. And I watched the first, I want to say one or two from the video store and I remembered them. And then when these collections started popping up, I collected and it was, it's, and they actually still make it. They just brought it back. Uh, it's called the four finger club. Oh my God. Okay. What was the series called? Four finger club. Oh, that's literally what the series was. So it was like four finger club one, four finger club two. Exactly. Damn. And because you weren't allowed to show complete fisting, that was their way around it. Oh, four fingers, not five fingers. It's not right. technically fisting. Exactly. And gotcha. And there were some where they would do eight, like they would put their hands together. Thumbs weren't in, so it wasn't double fisting. It was eight fingers. Oh, my God. We call that praying around here. <laughs> we call it seeking salvation. <laughs> New sex position. That's right. So That's it was that series, and there's a performer... Uh, by the name of Chloe or Chloe Nicole, who I really enjoyed. And she did her own series called Welcome to Chloeville. And those were the first two that I was like, yeah, I need to get this stuff. So, And then all just grew from there. It really did. And then once I went to AVN 08, 
then that was I, the first one that was the first one and that's when i really started to fine tune like oh i met this performer i really enjoyed them and then i started to kind of seek performer centric films right and scenes and then it just it really grew from that interesting so you went to avn correct shortly afterwards you came up with the name dick dangle yeah i was uh probably my third trip i had had the name in my head but i wasn't i hadn't done the podcast yet the podcast would come like six months later so what made you decide to want to do this podcast I was with the stepfather. He had his own podcast. Right. And through his friend, my friend, Webman Greg. Okay. He's like, you know what? I think you would be a good fit on our show. Okay. And I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I went and I fell in love with it. It was just a lot of fun. It was a good group of guys. And we were doing that for a year, year and a half. And he, they had already been doing it for a while. They actually got into the podcast game really early. Okay. And I told the stepfather, I'm like, I kind of have this idea. And he's like, what is it? And I told him about it. And he's like, you know what? This kind of, I think this has legs. I think this actually has a, sh- a shot. Cool. And uh, we did a couple test episodes like you should whenever you start a podcast Anyone listening, if you are looking to start a podcast and you're like, I don't know what I want it to be, do three to five test shows, listen back to them, see what you think. It'll make your show better because you'll be able to target exactly what you want the show to be moving forward. Cool. But the shows that we recorded were so much fun that they were the opening episodes. We didn't (laughs) go back and record them. They were just a lot of fun and it really grew from there. And then, uh, another friend, champagne, Dan, who he has his own podcast still does. It's a phenomenal podcast. He helped me get into one of the local gentlemen's clubs to do interviews. Okay. And he's actually the one that wrote my opening. Did you know from the very beginning that you wanted it to be about the adult industry and be like interviewing these performers? Or was that kind of something that came after you had like established that you were going to do a podcast? Yeah, I was, I want to say my first interview was somewhere around episode 78. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was, you know, a year and a half into it before it was like, Oh, well, let me try a podcast or uh, let, let me try an interview. Right. And see how it turns out. The first one or two that I did actually turned out really well. So when I had the opportunity to go to the gentleman's club and champagne, Dan and I actually went in and he's like, all right. Yeah. The owner was like, what's this about? And I told him and went to interviews and I know a number of these performers cause I've been going to conventions and he's like, yeah, let's give it a shot. So the club, which is now Rick's cabaret was called blush. And for about two years before they changed ownership, I was oh doing. God, you've been going to Rick's Cabaret since before it was Rick's Cabaret. Oh yeah, that was a, that is beautiful. That was the first club I ever went to. Oh my god, Dick! Yeah, that's so cute. And, and, that's, and that's what's really funny, where I'll see a dancer, and you could tell they got a swagger about them. Yeah, like. They can read me like a book. 
And they're going to come in here and they're going to empty this wallet, right? Yeah. And they're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing really well. So what brings you out tonight? And I said, I'm here to see the feature. Oh, yeah. I heard that we had a feature tonight. They're like, in those shorts? You're happy for a copy? And they're like, so is this your first time in the club? And I said, the first time I was ever in this club. And I say it from when I first started going to see features. I had been to that club two or three times prior for um, bachelor parties. Okay. Like, yeah, I guess that could count. But, you know, it's like <laughs> I'll count from when I first started going to see features. I said, uh, the first time I was in this club was 2010. And they're like, you have a good night. And they walk away because they know oh that God. I probably know the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, not getting this guy's money. Ah, damn it. Uh, dang, that's really interesting. So after you started doing the interviews, that was kind of like a, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. Did you find that the show took like a notable direction after integrating the interviews? Yes, no, because I had such a good rapport with performers from going to conventions. I think that allowed me to have the interviews be a little bit more comfortable and a lot easier. And I became much better at interviewing for sure because of it. But because I always still base this show around the idea of sex and sexuality, it didn't change. It just kind of got modified a little bit. So okay. it, I'm sure it has changed just because I do so many interviews now, but I always try to make sure that I still that like what we're doing now, I still go back and kind of do what the show was originally designed to do. Interesting. Yeah. So did you start out just like exclusively with like porn stars? Were you initially doing mostly like strippers? Like, cause you said that you kind of had the rapport with performers from ABN. Right. Was your first interview a porn star or a stripper? My first interview was with a performer content creator, like right when that first started taking off. And her name is Gina Starr. And, okay. And uh, she was kind enough to be my first interview guest. And it went really well. And I interviewed a dominatrix. Okay. And she no longer doms. Uh, oh. But she was amazing and i remember because i didn't have my studio i was either working through the stepfather or champagne dan and when i went i believe i was with champagne dan when we did that interview and after it was done they were like this is you now like you are <laughs> you're really good at this that's awesome and and this this needs to be your lane I love that. Right on. Was there anything like that you thought about the industry that like after interviewing performers and content creators that like your mind was changed or like it, it like cleared up a misconception for you? I don't know if there were necessarily misconceptions because I really didn't know the inner workings of the industry. I, I didn't know how the sausage was made as they say. <laughs> okay. So you went into it like totally blind without any like preconceived notions of what porn stars were like. And for the most part, 
Yeah, I mean, you know that the vast majority of them at some level like sex. Right. Right. But beyond that, because the thing that I really wanted to highlight, even when I first started, was I wanted them to show their personality. Right. And you Like get, outside of just being a butthole. Correct. And right. when you start to do that, you realize how many of them are unbelievable business people and yeah. and very intelligent and hyper personable. Like unless you have a really good agent, that is a prerequisite to be successful in this industry. A hundred percent. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I've met two or three just absolute twats in, <laughs> in, in the time that I've done this. But like literally 99% of them are phenomenal. Yeah. So, That's fantastic. Yeah, no, no real preconceived notions. I think I had a lot of friends when I first started the show and then I kind of branched into these interviews was like, Oh, you dude, you're gonna have like so much sex with these people. And like <laughs> no, that's that's not how that works. Yeah. I would say that that's probably something that a lot of people think when they start like dipping their toe into this industry, whether it's, you know, podcasting or as like a consumer or whatever. It's like, no, we're not gonna fuck you, dude. <laughs> no, definitely not. The only people that it may work with are people in the swingers community. And that's more of them just kind of crossing paths than, yeah. than them seeking each other out. You yes. know, it's, it's kind of a, oh, I didn't know you were swingers. I didn't know you were swingers. You know, yeah. it's the Spider-Man pointing at himself picture. Let's fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, shit may go down. But that's more lifestyle based than someone stepping in and going, hey, I want to interview all of you. Touch it. Yeah. Right. By the way, my dick is hard. Like, right. you're not going to last very long Correct. in this industry trying to do that. So, oh, and I've seen it. I've seen uh, podcasters come and go where you can tell oh, God, yeah. the ulterior motives were uh, visible, to say the least. And, oh, yeah. Like, ah, yeah, you're not going to be here too long. Oh, I can. I've been interviewed by people like that. So I can definitely relate. And for I, sure, that's definitely a thing. And I apologized. Early on for that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm still here, so all is forgiven. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> I know. It's hard. Just like everybody wants to fuck me. I'm just constantly, right. you know, fighting people off. Right. So. <laughs> it's like, like that meme of the woman getting hit with hot dogs in the face. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I joke. I joke. So if you didn't have anything that was like a big revelation for you, was there anything that like really surprised you about porn in general? Like, cause you came into this and as like a, basically just like your average Joe that's like watched a bunch of porn has met a bunch of performers at the expos and then was like, I want to talk to these people. Was there anything that was like really like surprising for you? Like that you were like, dang. Maybe with me in a very naive way, because I'd never really thought about it. Uh -huh. And I'm probably going to ruin it for a lot of people. Do it. Do it. How many performers are in relationships? Yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize that. And when you meet these performers and, you know, you get to know them on a more personal basis. And it's like, you know, we don't say anything because it can hurt your career. Right. Depending on the performer, depending on your lane. But, yeah, the way that you market yourself, some people want to just be the slut that like anybody can correct. fuck, right? And if there's a husband involved, then that kind of dampens the fantasy. Correct. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so that, that would really be the only one. 
that's the biggest thing that you found shocking about like pulling the veil off of the adult industry was that we're all shacked up. (laughs) Yeah, because everything else I could and, and realize where I've come from mentally and emotionally from when I started this podcast to now. Right. Like even back then I thought, okay, everything else. I get, I understand, and I respect, but it took me a while to wrap my head around the idea of a lifestyle being polyamorous or or just open. Were you one of those people that was like, people in porn can't be in relationships, that's not, not okay? No, not at all. But I was just surprised how many people were in relationships. Right. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, cool, you know, whatever. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. You're giving everybody like the the peek behind the curtain. A little bit, yes. I like that. Is there anything that you can say after talking to how many porn stars at this point? Hundreds, right? Uh, yeah, probably closing in on 300 at this point. Hundreds? Yeah. Is there anything that you can, like a statement that you can confidently make about the industry after talking to so many girls? Hmm. I'm getting, I'm getting you gauntlet style right now. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Uh, what is something you can say with confidence after talking to 300 plus performers? There is a, a sense of, I'll put it this way. I don't think a lot of people will ever appreciate the level of, uh, craft that it takes to do what they do because like some will say, well, we're like sexual athletes. And like, yeah, I mean, depending on what you're shooting and what you're doing, yes. But there are also a lot of people that take acting classes and they're able to do drama and comedy and, you know, really pull the scene together. Right. With the acting. There have been many films that I have watched and skipped over the sex scenes to watch the (laughs) storyline. But you know, it was like that. The Pirates of the Caribbean parody was like that for me. Oh, okay. okay. I was like, I don't even really care about the fucking like the, these costumes and the makeup and like the acting is so good. Like, right. That film was the top seller two years in a row in the really? industry. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it won a bunch of like AVNs too. Oh, yeah. It crushed. Absolutely. And the other thing is, and it kind of ties into what I just said, how many of these female performers have unbelievably quick wit and great senses of humor because you know you may get a scene or a scene lead in where they can be funny right but to actually sit and talk to them or interview them there are some incredibly funny performers Yes. And I wish that could be highlighted more now there are some performers that will do stand up right and things like that but to have as a collective them be shown in, in a more entertaining light, I, I think could help the industry somehow. I don't know how, but I love that. I love that. That is your, your like response to all of this. That like you can confidently say after interviewing 300 plus performers that we're like funnier and deeper than you think we are. Oh, for sure. Like even when it comes to something like calling out, a bad situation on social media. Right. That takes balls because in the old days, that was a career ender. Yes. Now 
they have the strength and they have the community at some level mm-hmm. be strong enough around them and within themselves to be able to go, listen, this needs to change. You know, I was actually reading, um, there was like this infographic that's been circulating. I don't know if you've seen it. It was like the adult AVN network or something posted it on Twitter. It was one of those like Twitter accounts, people that, uh, performers, sorry, that, uh, speak up about, you know, bad working conditions and all that stuff actually make more money than the people that stay quiet. I'm sure they do. Which I thought was really interesting because you have so many people that stay quiet you know, to, to not stir the pot and whatever. And it's the people that are the loudmouths that are actually higher earners overall. Well, that's a double-edged sword because the ones that are willing to speak up are ones that are established talent True. typically and, and have the following that if things were to go off the rails, they would still have them because they could do their own thing. Right. Cause they have the confidence Correct. to be able to just say fuck it to one of their. Yeah. And there definitely needs to be a tone with it. Yeah. To be effective, because what I see a lot of are performers that make it a they they make it an industry issue. They don't make it a personal issue. That's how you solve things. And that goes for anything, you know, (laughs) be it in the industry or not. If you can present a case for something and just not be like, well, I Right. If you can go, what we, we are missing here and yeah. what has happened that affects us all, that's how you make change. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Dick. See? Dick. Holy shnikes. Okay. On this train, I have one more question. Okay. And then we'll get to the interview that you have because I'm actually really excited about this interviewee. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not half as excited as I was, but okay. So you've said what um, you can confidently say, what remains a mystery to you in terms of the industry, in terms of performers performing? Is there anything that's still like a head scratcher for you after all these years? Mm, Not within like a performer community or anything like that. There are things that are popular that I just can't wrap my brain around. Like what? Give me the tea. Believe it or not, VR porn. Really? Yeah. How come? I like connection. So I would like to see performers kiss. And I would like to see performers kind of just be in each other's faces for at least a part. So you don't want like hardcore like POV. Yeah, they're like, I enjoy it at some level. And I've worn the goggles. I've watched it. and (laughs) And it's very interesting. But I'm a romantic dangle. I feel I, I want some connection. So do you think that there's a way for VR porn to create that connection for you? Like, like, cause me thinking about it, like I can't think of any better way to feel like a connection than VR porn. Right. And, and that's what I think a lot of listeners are be like, well, that makes no sense. You are looking at it through your eyes, you know? Right. It, and but I, I do get like the disconnect of like an extreme POV where like, it's just you and like the performer and not like anybody else like interacting. I can kind of see that. Right. Yeah. That's the one thing when you look at the camera rig for VR uh-huh. and the, you know, so basically you have a guy laying on a piece of furniture <laughs> bent at the knees, you know, so he's laying on a bed, he's laying on a couch 
and the camera rig and he has to lay flat and the camera rig is just like over top of him catching, you know, the VR scene. Right. It's like a big, like 360, like it's a big circle full of cameras. It's unreal. Yeah. And, and watching that, I just kind of go, well, that's no fun because, you know, even with what I hope to create, Right. I want it to be fun. Yeah. You know, and that's that's not fun to me. That's very mechanical to me. And I think yeah, that's, that's more work like than it. like fun Correct. when it comes to like the porn thing. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. So after all of this, the, the only remaining mystery is why people enjoy VR. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know why they enjoy it. You just can't get behind it. Yeah, it's just uh, just not my thing. Interesting. Yeah. I've always, you know, it's actually funny. You just brought up a good point that VR is like so much work and so much equipment and tech. I get people asking me all the time. They're like, when are you going to film VR porn? Like, sir, do you know how expensive it is to get like 500 cameras to do VR porn? Yeah, there are, depending on how you set it up, there is between 12 and 18 cameras. Mm Mm-hmm. On a rig with lights. So you're talking, I mean, I'm ballparking, but it's got to be 20 grand for proper VR scene capability. Mm -hmm. One day. One day. One day. We'll make it happen. One day. And then you'll hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but I have a connection with you, so I will enjoy it. Aw, there we go. I'm smooth. I am smooth. That is so smooth. Smooth like butter. I am smoother than a freshly cleaned cleanup towel in the console of my car. <sighs> Hang in there. Hang in there. <laughs> oh, my mouth just got real wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, like the mouth sweats before mm, you barf. Right, right. <laughs> so tell us about Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that. So, dear listeners, my interview... Taste out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but if your mouth keeps watering, my dick's going in. <laughs> so, fine listeners, my interview guest is Daisy Taylor. Thank you very much to Eric Icon of The Rub PR for the opportunity to speak with her. Oh, my goodness. It was so much fun. So, I enjoy daisy taylor's filmography if you will for a while now and when her name popped up as a possible interview guest i'm like yes just yes i want all of it so many times times. (laughs) and in prep i was told like listen she's got a really good sense of humor i'm like okay that makes it even better because it does help me visualize how i want the interview to go and not only was she funny but just super personable and honest and we had a lot of fun we laughed mightily through this interview but i just when i did the interview i'm like i think this is going to be a really good interview and then when we were done I'm like that was a fabulous interview oh don't you love when that happens oh it's so nice i i've been so lucky with my interview guests i really really have that's great. I'm so excited to laugh mightily along with you. Yeah, Daisy Taylor. Daisy Taylor. She is an incredible performer. 
award nominated and winning like you would not believe and worth every minute of your time, whether it's this interview, her films, her content, whatever you seek out, please do. It is absolutely tremendous. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Amazing. Well, let's dive into it then. Absolutely. Well, you know what else I want to dive into? Well, I know, but you're not supposed to say it out loud. <laughs> well, then I won't. Dahlia, it has been wonderful <laughs> having you on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you've been fun you've been (sighs) always always so if other people want to dive into you where should they go to leap off of the springboard and into your goodness into the cesspool that is Dahlia D. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> you can find all of my links at www.daliad.com. D-A-H-L-I-A-D-E-E.com. Fantastic. Everybody, you know where to find my stuff. I, you, you get it. I've done this for a billion episodes now. So. If they don't know, it's kind of embarrassing it's, at this point. It's really embarrassing. It is. But to save you from your embarrassment... Twitter at the Dick Dangle, Dangling After Dark on Instagram, DanglingAfterDark.com is the website. And if you want to email me, Dick at DanglingAfterDark.com, I'm streaming a lot of places. If you want me to be streaming on more places, let me know and I will do so. So, on behalf of Dahlia D and myself, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please take care of yourselves and each other. Pay for your porn and support amazing content creators like Daisy Taylor and Dahlia D. Find something that feeds your soul and do it as often as you possibly can. And of course, dangle on. That scared me a little bit. Now I need another cleanup towel. Let's get to Daisy Taylor. Oh, I need a new pair of shorts. (laughs) (laughs) You almost made it. You almost made it. (laughs) Oh, man, that was fun. Mm. Don't worry. Dick will be coming back. He's recovered and ready to go again. Welcome back to the Pervert Nation. Here he is, Dick Dangle. My guest is an amazing performer who is back after a hiatus, and the industry is better for it. She has worked for Trans Angels, Groovy, Evil Angel, Gender X, Adult Time, and more, and makes every scene mesmerizingly memorable. Proof of this is her 50-plus major award nominations and nine wins, including a recent 2023 AVN Award for Favorite Trans Porn Star. She has accomplished a career's worth of accolades and love in a short amount of time, but I know that the best is yet to come. With a killer smile and a sensuality that cannot be denied, she is the stunning Daisy Taylor. How are you doing today? Oh my God. <laughs> what 
what kind of how how can I even respond after that intro? That was wild. That was crazy. Thank you. Hi, Dick. How are you? <laughs> Very well. This the interview's over. We're done, right? No, no, that's all I needed. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> ego fed, ego fed. Good right. <laughs> Feel free to take a snippet of that and use that as your morning affirmation when you wake up. <laughs> totally, totally. My ringtone from now on. Right. <laughs> that, that would I would be very flattered. So before we go on with this conversation, can you please tell everybody where they could find you online and on social media? Of course. So I've got a couple different accounts. I have been one of the unfortunate victims of the Instagram takedowns. So I think, thank goodness, um, my Twitter has been the same since the beginning of my career. It's at here on Neptune. And I'm so glad to still have that account. Boom. And knock on wood. Hopefully that stays forever. Um, you could also find me on TikTok at Daisy Taylor, D A D I D C, not not this. D A I S Y Y Y T A Y T A Y L O R R. Daisy Taylor. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> you could find me on multiple different platforms. Same thing. Just search me up. Search up Daisy Taylor on Pornhub, and I will be the first result that pops up. Um, yeah. Very very nice. Now before we actually get into the interview. I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, but where did you come up with here on Neptune? It's funny. So I actually started my career with an ex of mine and we were just tossing around names and I don't know how it came about that. Quite literally, that was a phrase that just like popped into one of our minds. I can't, I can't really even recall. I think it was my ex, but we had to look up on Google like, oh, is that a band name or something? Nope. But there was nothing on that existed. And at the time, we were not looking to ex disclose our identities. So it was kind of important for us to have a cool or like a weird, funky, like name for a hook. Ah, I got you. And it definitely yeah. works. It could be a band name. Right, right. Yeah. I definitely need to get it um, trademarked or something. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. It is an absolute pleasure to speak with you. I was oh. just seriously, I was so excited when I was given the opportunity to speak with you because I've been a fan for a while. We're going to get into uh, one very specific thing that made me a huge fan of yours, but <laughs> it, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm frothing at the mouth uh, to be able to do this interview, but uh, as I mentioned in the opening, you recently came back from a hiatus, but because you are such a great performer and you are always in demand, how do you manage your professional and personal life and building a brand without it consuming you? You are just, you all, every question is just so loaded with, with just love and goodness. Um <laughs> That is a good, I think because I've been, been able to be lucky enough to take a hiatus and to take time for myself to really breathe for a second. I think that's how I've been able, honestly, to stay sane for as long as I have. I think I've had kind of multiple waves where I've done different stuff and I've, and I've worked a lot where I even think I had, it, it was time for me and I needed to take a break as well because I almost felt that I was becoming a bit oversaturated. 
there was just a lot of content, which is, obviously it's lovely that, you know, obviously so many people want to see me, but at a certain point, when so many people are retweeting your stuff and when there's so many different com- scenes coming out on so many different sites, people can get kind of sick of your face. So I think it was good for me to take a second and kind of develop into my own person. Uh, there is no way anyone on the planet will ever get sick of your face. But <laughs> I would imagine that in taking little breaks through your career has helped you evolve a way of being better at managing or at the very least being aware of self-care and burnout and just kind of handling that part of your career a lot better. Totally. And can I be honest? It's obviously a big part of it is emotional burnout for me. I feel like I kind of struggle. I just struggle with being organized. I struggle with being kind of on top of things. So being highly social and dealing with a lot of people and a lot of different personalities all the time is a lot. But honestly, too, it's kind of an ego thing for me. Like, I feel like it's very easy. A lot of people are always telling you, like, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. And I do think it's kind of easy as trans women. A lot of us are the only, like, we are one of a kind in our personal life for for the most part. I think because of adult work, we get to hang out with different trans girls. And in my adult life, like, in the last two years, it's the most time that I've ever gotten to spend with trans women in my life. But most of us grow up being the only one. And so it can kind of go to your head really, really fast when you have a lot of people telling you that you're the most beautiful thing that's ever existed. So it's definitely kind of an ego check to bring myself back down because I don't ever want to, you know, become too up in the clouds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't want to be the person that uses the phrase, do you know who I am? Right, right. And I I will say I love, you know, I love I love my my trans girls and my trans sisters, but there are, you know, it's just easy. and And I've seen so many great iconic girls kind of come and go. Because you do get kind of used to being the shit and then it turns into bad shit when, you know, you're not, you don't have humility and, and you, it, I think just thinking that you're higher or that you're better than anyone or, you know, causing drama, I just, it's easy to get wrapped up in that. So being someone that is so social and being so, I was it kind of wrapped easily wrapped up in in the yeah. adult community. How do you handle conventions and award shows because that is overstimulation times 10. Totally. Do you know what's funny is I actually feel like I've kind of been one of like the most absent people in the industry. I was kind of heavily heavily featured at the beginning of my career. I was doing campaigns with Pornhub. I was going, I went to the Pornhub Awards. I went to the T's in 2019. So I was doing a lot of stuff at the beginning of my career. And pretty much after that three years, I haven't really done much. And especially everything since COVID, there have not been a lot of in-person events that have been going on. There's been a lot of parties, but I'm, I'm not really big on doing much of that. I'm trying to be better this year, but this is the first year that I've really been back in the first year I got to go with my girlfriend, Amanda Riley. We got to go to AVN together and it was her first, it was her first AVN period. And it was just my first year back. And I will say it was kind of a huge, huge difference when I went my first year to all these award shows, nobody had a fucking clue who I was, which was totally okay. And I didn't have an issue with, 
this year was such a huge, huge change to go to AVN, to have all these people walking up to us and taking photos, mm. to also the TEA Awards, where I had so many, so many of these young girls that I'm seeing nowadays who are shooting for all these big companies that are looking up to me for inspiration. It makes me feel it's it's very crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to be an interesting place because truly you haven't been in the industry all that long. And now people are looking to you as the icon, someone they want advice from and someone they kind of want some understanding from. It's got to be an interesting place to be. It's definitely interesting. I think it's just not something that really translates into my real life often. So this year being the first time when I'm meeting all these girls and I'm, and I'm seeing all these people, it's kind of like hitting me where I'm like, Oh shit. Wow. People really, really watch me. Mm. It's cool. Now with you coming back, are you going to be more for lack of a better term, choosy when it comes to who you work with, be it either performers or studios? Yes, absolutely. I think I was kind of very open at the beginning of my career. And as as things have gone under, I've kind of bottlenecked a little bit where I've gotten continually more picky. I'm honestly, I said this in my interview with Austin King, I'm a fucking, I'm a control freak. And I need to do kind of what I want to do. I love the companies that I've gotten to work with, like Trans Angels and Adult Time and Transsensual. But I think sometimes, especially with the bigger companies like MindGeek, it is a lot of different people who are going for a very kind of formulaic thing, which is not bad because the formula works. Mm -hmm. But it can definitely be very formulaic. And I just strive to do things that are really different because my goal is I want people to, one, I want the scenes to be either so cinematic and entertaining that you have to watch the whole thing from start to finish. It's not something that you want to skip just to the, you know, 15 minutes where you see the jerking off or whatever. I want it to be something where you, it catches you from the start that you need to see it from the beginning, whether it's so cinematic or it's so genuine and it's so real that it's like, Whoa, I need to watch this interaction. And I think that's why I get a lot of the love for all these new girls I was even just talking about it today with Amanda. I get to do a lot of, especially with Trans Angels, I get to do a lot of producing and a lot of directing and writing for almost all of my scenes. And I think most people who are watching don't really care. They just kind of want to see you, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's the trans girls who are watching the other trans girls because we all watch each other. We all look to each other for inspiration. It's those girls who are watching my scenes and saying, oh my gosh, she's doing something different. She's doing something really pretty or she's doing something really, really visual. I think that's what makes it inspiring is that I'm trying to do something more than just porn. I want it to be artistic and I want it to be erotic and beautiful. I like that, and I'm glad you brought that up because your comeback scene for Trans Angels called uh, One Night Only, which will be released shortly as we record this, I went to transangels.com and I watched the trailer, and I love the look and feel of it. It's very film noir in its feeling. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. Were you very involved in writing that? Yes, yes, that was a project. So I've been so lucky and I've been so blessed to work with the Dream Team, as they call themselves, in um, San Diego for Trans Angels. They have been my go-to people. Anytime that I've worked with Trans Angels that you've seen, 
pretty much most of my scenes, burlesque, birdie, bitchcraft, all of all of my like my best stuff, Daisy knows best. All of my best scenes have been with them. They are such a creative workforce and we bounce off of each other so well. That scene was something completely that I've been so lucky to have such um, a personal and well-worked relationship with MindGeek and with Trans Angels that they really, really trust me. Where that is a scene where we didn't even have a script. It was something that the Dream Team and I got to put together just as we went. And we just knew that we had a visual idea and we had a basic story and how we wanted to go with it. And they just let us run. And it ended up being such a huge success. I ended up actually, there's a song that I get to perform in the scene, which didn't really get teased all that much in the trailer, but there's like a full song that I perform and I got to fully write that song. And I wrote that completely by myself um, and recorded a full song for the scene. So we just got to do, we get to do a lot of personal work and it's a lot of fun. And if you notice too, the scene is called one night only and not, you know, Daisy, Daisy's, throat opens you know and right. we want i wanted to make sure that all the scenes that i do are titled something that is not cheesy and porny you know one night only i'm getting to te- I'll, I'll tease a little bit that i'm getting to do a scene where i'm a flower shop girl and you know i want to do something like daisies daisies or, or something cute i i want to keep it fun and light but i don't want it to be you know too outright or too tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm and I like that a lot. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you see either by title or maybe when you read the back of the DVD because you want to see what the description of the scene is, and you're like, "Whoa, that's graphic." Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like three big dicks and, and a bitch. It's, it's wild. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm still watching it, but I'm like, can we tone it down a bit? <laughs> right. I I just want to find. I want to like truly find a medium of like art and media and fashion and erotic. I I want to find a perfect in between those. So I don't want it to be too cheesy. I I want to do something very cinematic and very beautiful. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So are you more nervous about the scene coming out and people seeing you for the first time in a while or people seeing you singing? (laughs) So I think it's, it's kind of both and they equal I think they are both equal in their in in their importance of nervousness in my chest. I have kind of been kind of vocal on my other channels like I have a YouTube channel and I've been kind of vocal and I've talked about my insecurities with my voice. I've been a singer for a long long time. It's been I've been a performer my entire life and it's one of my favorite things to do and kind of early in my career in 2019 I had a tracheal shave to make my Adam's apple smaller. And it was something that I was supposed to heal from in three weeks. And it ended up being something that I never ended up getting my full voice back. So I'm a little nervous just because it is me singing and I am definitely embracing my deeper register. And it's also just, it's like the first time where I'm like singing on a production where I'm like flat out, just like it's a recording of me in a track, just singing, belting, doing the thing. So I'm, I'm kind of nervous. I'm also nervous to see how people are going to receive it only because it is my first scene back. And, you know, I, I am an artist and I'm a creative (laughs) and I'm a little sensitive about the stuff that's close to my heart. And this is something that definitely was 
um, very close to home. I got to have some of my closest friends and even my boyfriend was an extra in the scene. So I got to have some of my favorite people there on the day shooting this kind of big, important comeback scene for me. So there's just, there, there's a lot of love in the project. Mm. It makes me want to see it all the more. That is for sure. Yeah. I'm really excited. Even though this scene is almost a year and a half old, I feel the need to tell you how much (laughs) I love your trans angel scene with MROs called frisk me, fuck me. Oh my God. That's so funny. As much as I enjoy the sexy love and stuff, the buildup to that scene is magnificent. Do you wish you had more of an opportunity to show the more comedic side of you? Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's what something that I want to achieve more this year. I, I, I think there's three sides to me, right? And I think that it's like one, there's this kind of sultry vixen kind of Demi Moore vibes that I feel like comes out. There's also this like soft kind of snarky, playful girl next door other side. And then finally, there is this kind of kooky campy kind of clown that I feel like needs to be showcased more. And so I'm trying to incorporate all those different aspects. I cannot, Emma and I both agreed <laughs> that we are to never, ever do a scene together again. <laughs> that scene was so much fun and we quite literally laughed all day. And it's something where I just can't shoot with other trans girls truly because we get so. I feel like we get so sister-like and we just relate to each other so much that we are not even attracted to each other. And so that day, like, I'm telling you, it was so hard to film that scene because anytime we had to look at each other to kiss or to have a, like, we could not stop cackling all day long. It was, but it was, a, it was definitely a workout. It was a, definitely an ab workout kind of day because we had so much fun just laughing. You coming out of the suitcase was so magnificent. So ridiculous. <laughs> Don't you wish you were that flexible to fit in a suitcase? I know I do. So ridiculous. <laughs> it was so much fun to film, though. What what a fun day. And that, again, something that I got to do with the Dream Team. All the most like fun or interesting stuff that you've ever seen me do. Any of the stuff, like, I know that Daisy Knows Best is went on to be a DVD it, years later, but you go and you look at Daisy Knows Best, it's a compilation, and they don't really mention it on the DVD, but it's a compilation DVD full of all the scenes that I got to write and direct and produce oh, with okay. the Dream Team. So all of those scenes, I had full creative input over. So back to a similar question at the start of this interview, how do you have a lane for these three parts of you that want to be creative and not get to a point of burnout again. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be kind of just about scheduling how I want to do it. And honestly, do you know what it is? Is For me, burnout comes when I, I'm a person who I will sometimes commit to things that I actually know that I don't want to do, but I know that it would be a good business opportunity or something. Mm. And burnout comes for me when I commit to too many things that I'm not fully 100% have my heart in. And I'm like, uh, 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 like getting to do the stuff that I do in San Diego with the dream team, it never feels like a day of work. And so honestly, I feel for me that how I'm going to avoid burnout is just getting to do, getting to have control or having my full heart into what I'm doing. Mm. Cause it is good to diversify and to get on all different kinds of platforms, but 
you know, I think that not every producer and I work so well because I am so um, particular about how I want to be perceived. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, uh, you have a video on your Pornhub channel called Outtakes from the T's Acceptance Speeches, <laughs> which was from about two years ago. And once again, I love stuff like this. What made you want to release it? Is it because just it was something you kind of wanted made for posterity? Did you want people to see this side of you a little bit more? Yeah, no, I think that, like, honestly, from the start, I literally, quite literally, just had this conversation <laughs> with um, my friend this morning. But it's all this stuff that you see on Trans Angels. Like, the true, true fans are going to see that stuff. And they're going to see all the work that goes into the scenes and all the fashion and all the different stuff. But most people honestly know me from my Pornhub and know me from just like that all. I feel like what made my career go in such a meteoric way when it did is that I'm all about like being genuine. Mm. And the stuff that's on my Pornhub is all just like everything that I do. You can see that I'm genuinely enjoying the stuff that I'm putting out and the stuff that I'm filming. So people have always loved the kind of funnier, clownier side of me because I've always showed that a little bit here and there throughout on my YouTube channel and on my Patreon and also on my OnlyFans. I'm always kind of having a little giggle. So I think it was just fun. At the time, I really wasn't working much as well. And I think COVID had just happened. And so everything was closed. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, I made a fun little compilation for myself because it made me giggle. And then I thought, you know, it would make everyone else giggle a little bit too. Mm-hmm. When it comes to your Pornhub, you have videos, as you mentioned, they have over a million views and the approval ratings are extremely high. And, and it <laughs> yeah. must be satisfying that your work is not only so popular, but just well received. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. I can't lie. I mean, that's the thing too is like porn again, people know me most from my porn hub. So I've gotten to do really cool stuff with Trans Angels and with browsers, but it's like the stuff that really sticks is like the random shit that people see and and obviously not to toot my own horn, but I am the top trans model on Pornhub and I am the first trans model to be in the top 100 of all models on Pornhub. I'm in the top 100 rank. So that's kind of a huge deal for me. And I think it's been so cool to be so well received. And I think I've been, I think I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders. So I've known how to ride the wave a little bit. And it's been an amalgamation of, I think some smart, you know, marketing or business moves, but also to, I think people just see that I'm a, like, I'm just, I don't, I can't fake, I'm bad at faking. So I think people like seeing that I'm a genuine person and they just, they really rock with it. Mm. And that's cool. You have been a permanent fixture in award shows for a few years now. Uh, congratulations on all of your success and your ABN award win for favorite trans porn star. Absolutely. You're quite welcome. And you're currently nominated for two Pornhub Awards, Most Popular Trans Star and Top Anal Performer. Yes. Whether it's from the industry or from fans, nominations and wins are always special. How do you process that level of recognition? Because that's real easy to buy into in your own head. 
Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. It's it's really really cool. And two, like, it's. I think for me, it's really been important, especially in the past couple of years. Like AVN, that's a perfect example. I make it kind of a big deal where I don't really want to promote voting, you know, for for different award shows. So I like I make it a point not to tweet out like, "Hey." Hey to all my fans, please go vote for me because I just feel that I feel, and there's obviously nothing wrong with, with people promoting themselves, but I just feel like when you are, you, when you, when you tweet once a day or you tweet once a week, Hey, go vote for me. Hey, go vote for me. Obviously you're driving a lot of traffic to that. And I feel like it's important for me. Like I want it to feel like a real win. And so like, if you're going to find your way to vote for me and it's that important to you, then you will. Mm-hmm. And so that was why it was such even a big, a bigger honor to have won like for for the, all the multiple Pornhub awards that I've won, and for AVN and and the T's as well, is because I haven't really pushed or promoted too much, and people still vote for me. Mm-hmm. I like I'm so lucky. <laughs> yeah. Looking at your DVD releases from different companies, you earn more than twenty DVD covers. It made me realize that I got a lot of catching up to do when it comes to my purchases. But <laughs> do you collect your cover model work? Do you know what's funny? I actually don't own a single one of my DVDs. What? But sitting here as we're having this conversation, I feel that I need to own every single one. <laughs> I need to go. I literally need to go on a like um, Adult Empire and buy me some because that would be so much fun to have a small little collection. Oh, I do definitely have. Though I don't have any DVDs, I have small little memorabilia pieces from all the different scenes from around that I kept. So I have, you know, I have like Polaroids from scenes from years, years ago that I got to do with Trans Angels. I have outfits that I've kept. I have little, um, you know, shoes. I have actually a poster in the trailer for One Night Only, the scene that's going to be coming out on Trans Angels this upcoming week. There's a poster that's featured that says Daisy, One Night Only, and it's a picture of me. And I have one of those posters in my home. So I keep little little things with me because I'm very proud of the work that I've gotten to do. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, please get the rights to that so I can buy one. No, totally. I need to. My plans this year are honestly, I can't lie. I have big plans for this year. I am, I'm actually reconfiguring how I'm doing my whole OnlyFans. And I am reattacking this entire year with my career. I'm trying to do big things. I want to, you know, continue the work that I'm doing, directing and doing the stuff with Trans Angels. But I definitely want to, again, I was blessed to have been the first trans girl to work on Brazzers. So I'd love to return to Brazzers and to do another scene. I'd love to branch out. And, you know, I, it's been my dream for years to work with Axel Braun. I know how to do stunt work and I'm ready to be a superhero. So <laughs> I am, I'm planning big things this year along with, I love to do merch. I would love to do some t-shirts and I'd love to do some calendars. I'd love to do some stuff this year that I've never really released any stuff like that. But I know that at AVN or at any of these conventions, it would be so much fun to do, a, you know, 365 days of Daisy. That would be just so much fun. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Even this dinky little podcast of mine has t-shirts and shot glasses. We got to get, <laughs> get you moving here. <laughs> and I'm glad that you collect things from scenes, but in your general life, are you a collector of anything? 
do you know what's funny? I I never really was until the last couple years. I've been very, very fortunate to, for me, my whole life has been, a, what, what has been a struggle um, as a young trans woman has kind of been honestly getting a closet together. Mm. Um, I didn't have any clothes for the longest time. And at the beginning of my career, I was, I'd say for the first even two or three years, I was recycling a lot of clothes from when I was younger because I didn't really have the finances. And in the last two, three years, I've been so, so lucky to kind of be able to fully, fully support myself. And I have become a big kind of collector of vintage fashion. I am a huge, huge lover of, you know, designer fashion. I love old Gianni Versace pieces. I love Terry Mugler. So I, I am actually kind of a big fashion collector and that's why I'm really, really excited this year with Trans Angels and all the different stuff that I'm shooting. I'm excited to not just do, oh, fun, you know, oh, fun pizza boy shoots, but I want to do high fashion editorial shoots where I'm featuring, you know, archival pieces. I have pieces that are older than me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I lo- I'm a big collector of fashion and I love old vintage pieces and, and shoes and bags and, and whatnot. So. Oh, very cool. Very, very nice. Yeah. Now, when I was looking at your DVD covers, uh, you've had several different hairstyles. <laughs> yes. Are you someone that is always changing your hairstyle to kind of keep things fresh for yourself? Absolutely. I think it's a mixture of a different things. It's like I've always been my whole family, my whole life. Nobody ever knows what ethnicity I am because we <laughs> are all ambiguous looking and we have like olive toned skin. So I feel like I have a very versatile kind of face and very versatile coloring. So there's a lot of different hairstyles that work on me. I definitely love to keep it fresh. And I think that all these different hairstyles that I've gotten to do embody kind of different sides of me and I get to date play different characters almost but also to it's my hair has kind of been another thing that's been a big part of my transition back and forth where I chose to cut off my hair a couple years ago where it was short pixie cut for a couple years very Alyssa Milano season four of Charmed (laughs) Um, but yeah so I think wigs were a way for me to kind of work through the awkward growing out period of my hair, but I also still use wigs nowadays to one definitely channel different sides, but mostly it's, it's a way to not do so much heat styling on my hair and to protect it. Mm-hmm. When I was looking at those pictures, I was thinking, Oh, you know, cause I, I like your hairs a little bit longer now. And I'm like, Oh, that looks really nice. And then going through those DVD cars, I'm like, man, that short hair rocks. Wow. That blue hair is, you know, just like all the different, so fun i know yeah i was like man you could you're right you can really pull off any hair it's amazing thank you yeah no i got to do a lot of fun different looks and i got to i get to experiment with a lot of different colors and a lot of a lot of shit i'm i i have so much fun Mm. i just got red hair that's that's all i got it's either long or (laughs) (laughs) and it looks good and it looks so good on you it's your natural coloring and it's great oh well thank you i appreciate that yes Uh, one thing i really enjoy doing with my guests is look through their social media and ask them questions about certain (laughs) posts that they have made. (laughs) You're laughing already. (laughs) I can only imagine. (laughs) So are you willing to answer a few questions about some Twitter posts? Yes. All right. 
Now, the first one I want to ask you about, you wrote, so I'm going to be the annoying first person to ask about photos from the Tea Awards last night. <laughs> and you uh, were posting some of the pictures that were taken, and you looked exquisite at the Tea Awards in your dress. What was that? Oh, thank you. Would you consider that a lavender color? Yes, a lavender, a lilac. Perhaps. Lilac, that, that is a better one, yes. When you attend award shows, what do you concentrate on? Is it more about hanging with friends, kind of being seen? Is it more about just enjoying the show and relaxing? It's a couple different things. I honestly didn't really know what I was getting myself into this year. I obviously cannot deny that being seen and being photographed is a obviously big opportunity and it's a great thing to, you know, have your face out there. But after this year's T Awards, it just was so much love and so much fun getting to hang out and meet the girls. Me and Amanda, it was her first her first everything AVN, her first AVN and her first T Awards. We both were quite apprehensive to see what it was gonna be like, but it ended up being so much fun. I definitely I can't lie though, the look is important for me. The look is very, very important. I have always been um quite annoying about how i you know look in scenes look at parties look at events but yeah just looking gorgeous feeling good and hanging out with my girlfriends that's 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 what i want to do because you are so fashion aware fashion forward are you someone that plans way too far in advance for award shows in your look <laughs> yes and you know what sucks <laughs> The weather. The oh. weather in California has been, I've lived here my entire life. I will say it's stunning. There are parts that I've seen that look quite literally like Jurassic Park, like we're in Hawaii, because there's just been so much rain. But for quite quite literally, for example, at the Tea Awards, I had, a, I had an outfit that I had bought two months in advance. I had planned the entire thing. And then the weekend coming up, it is going to be freezing cold. And it was like a tiny, just little mesh dress. So I was like, okay, well, that outfit's out. <laughs> Luckily, my other dress, which was an obviously beautiful old vintage Gianni Versace, um, that just came together and it fell on my lap. And I was like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful fucking dress I've ever seen. Not to mention that anytime, I don't know, I've always loved purple and it's, it's one of my favorite colors. I have a million things that are purple, but... Whenever I wear purple, people are like, oh, my God, you look so good. When I went to AVN, I, I wore a purple dress just really quickly, and we were only out for an hour, and I got the most compliments that I think I've ever gotten in public. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so that, that was a lot of fun. I, I'm way too much on the planning, but I also tend to kind of put things together at the very last minute because I'm, I'm annoying with it. That's right. <laughs> that's okay. If you're going to be annoying about something, that's a good thing. Right. So... My next question for you about tweets, it's actually a series of tweets. And uh, if I may, I'm going to say this how I feel you would say this in the moment. People who just reply to random tweets with nudes, you blocked. People who just randomly tag me in their tweets with their nudes, you blocked. Ooh, and it um. feels so good to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it does. And it does. <laughs> Has your um, emotional skin gotten thicker through your journey in adult to be able to deal with stuff like that? Oh yeah, I think I think honestly, 
it's been a bit of a like a back and forth journey, just navigating things on the internet, because it is quite different to have a lot of different people coming at you from all different directions. But I just, for me, I have learned to not take it quite so seriously. And I think like, like blocking people is a huge, huge deal for people. It's like a huge disrespect. It means like, oh my God, I hate you. And just like, for me, I'm like, oh, I just, I don't really care. Like, I really don't care to unfollow a person. That's not, that's not something that I'm scared to do. I think a lot of people are like, oh my God, that's like, I don't want to cause drama, but if I just, if I don't like what you're doing, I'm not going to follow you. And it's the same thing, like with getting blocked, I don't have any hate towards the people that I block. I'm just kind of like, oh, like, well, we're not obviously going to have a good internet relationship because I don't like what you're doing. So I'm just not going to speak to you mm-hmm. and involve you. Even with the people who are being rude or whatever, it's just kind of like, okay, well, we're not going to have an internet relationship that can work. So I'm just going to disallow you from that. I like the idea of it being an internet relationship because truly when it comes to people that either are always shit posting and things like that, my first thought is I, I don't need this energy in my life. Yeah. Like I will have a good time, especially TikTok has been a very interesting um, app. There's, I feel like there's a kind of a lot of backlash on there. Like how I used to get a lot of backlash on Reddit, but um, TikTok it's fun because there are some people that are rude, but are funny. And so I'll just have fun, like commenting back and joking with people. But there are some people that are just, yeah, like it, it's an internet relationship in the sense for me, it's whether, even though it's just over the screen, you are still welcoming people into your energy and, you know, bring, bringing their energy into you. And so I don't really spend a lot of time responding to people who are haters, you know, haters. I hate, I hate that term, but I don't really spend time responding to people who don't like me or don't get what I'm doing or just being rude because it's what they want. You know, it's like, that's why people pester you because they want to get an emotional reaction out of you. But also too, it's just like, I have only so that's been my growing thing is like, I only have so much energy and the way that I can keep my, like keep myself sane and to keep myself center is to not expend so much on the little stupid things. Mm. Oh, I agree. 100%. Now the next tweet I would like to ask you about, uh, this is actually from trans angels and it is a clip of a scene. It is a teaser. And the title is Mm -hmm. VR driving lessons are wild. And the scene (laughs) involves you, Amanda Riley and Finn Harding. Now, my question is a little bit, little bit left of this. I have an issue with motion sickness when it comes to looking at things through VR or like first person video games. Have you ever watched VR and does it bother you? Um, so that is a great question. I have watched VR. I've gotten to watch, I've shot a lot of VR for Groovy and uh, I'm very close with, um, Buddy Wood, who is one of my favorite producers. I've gotten to watch some of my own VR in a VR headset. It definitely at the beginning is fine, but over a certain period of time, it is painful. It's just, it's a lot on the eyes. It's a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can agree 100%. Now, in watching your own scene in VR, what did you think? Because that has to be truly a surreal moment. 
Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy to see. Cause I've always understood obviously what we were doing, but I've just never gotten to see it. Like, and I I've seen the VR scenes that I've had before just on my phone screen, not VR, you know? So mm-hmm. you just kind of see it how it is, but like seeing me and moving my head around and I'm looking at everything and it's like, it, it was like, Oh my God, this is weird. It was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Some performers really enjoy shooting VR and other ones they like it, but it's not their favorite because they're not in the person's face. You know, they're not making out and kind of doing the things that come with it. Do you have a difficult time with that? I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I totally got lost. I was thinking about a VR scene that I did. (laughs) Absolutely. I like zoned for 30 seconds. (laughs) Like, Oh yeah, that was a good one. Um, So some performers, when they do VR, they really love it. And other ones are like, ah, it's okay, because they don't have that chance to be kind of up close and personal with the mm-hmm. person kissing them and whatnot. Do you mind that? Um, It is. I'm one of the people who is like, ah, I'm okay. Like, it, I'm fine with shooting VR, but it's definitely hard because you have to be a lot more distant. You know, you can't really be all up on the person. Like, you have to completely be far from them not to mention that in vr it's mostly kind of like more difficult positions it has changed where you know you could do doggy or whatever but most of the time in vr you have to like do riding and all these different positions that it's like a lot of work for you Mm -hmm. so it's definitely not my fave and two i'm 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 i like to be very passionate so i'm a kisser Mm. Uh, understandable now I, I need to ask you what scene did you just get lost in and in, in your head it's funny i was thinking of one of the ones from groovy where i have this like red wig on with like a blonde stripe and it's just beautiful and i'm outside in the daytime and i just remember looking so good in that scene <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness the last tweet i would like to ask you about okay you wrote Sheets of Egyptian cotton from Uptown Girls is playing in my head. <laughs> yes. now, for for those who may not know, that is the title song to Uptown Girls. Yes, that's one of my I I believe I posted that with a photo too. I, but yeah, no, I I struggle with captions. I love Uptown Girls. I am constantly sad about Brittany Murphy. Uptown Girls is an underrated classic, <laughs> and I can, I can, and will, and shall reference it as many times as I possibly can. <laughs> the Uptown Girl Fan Appreciation Society. <laughs> I, I, I accept zero Uptown Girls disrespect in this household. <laughs> Now, when it comes to your love of music, because obviously you sing, so you probably have a mm-hmm. lot of different influences. What do you enjoy listening to? I definitely like kind of more old school. No, I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say old school, but I just don't really listen to much modern music nowadays. Mm-hmm. There are some artists who are doing shit that I love to hear, but it's definitely I love. I love, I've always just been a huge lover of R&B. So I love some 90s R&B. I love, I have a huge love for Brandy. I have, um, oh, speaking of collections, to bring it back to another question and music, I have 
kind of a big vinyl collection that I have, and I have some rare vinyls that mean a huge bunch to me. So I, I have Honey by Mariah Carey on vinyl. I have, I have one of the original, like printed from two thousand one Aaliyah self titled vinyls. I have same with Brandy. I have like a nineteen ninety eight Never Say Never vinyl that's like old and kind of broken because it's old mm-hmm. as old as me but uh yeah i just i love 90s and i love um obviously mostly female artists i got you all right yeah that's cool i also have a large vinyl collection so we can talk about that once we oh yes finish this interview <laughs> <laughs> So we are firmly planted in the year 2023. What does the future hold for you? Is it going to be just a lot of filming your own content, working for studios, making that happen? Are you going to do any conventions during the year? Any other projects? What do you got? I'm definitely going to, um, I'm going to come out swinging this year. I have a lot that I think I have coming down the pipeline. I definitely want to be seen at a lot more conventions and events this year. I am going to be making a bigger push to be filming my own content. And obviously I'm going to continue to work with studios. I'm just going to be picky and I'm going to be very choosy. Um, And I think I'm going to just continue my longstanding relationship with Trans Angels. But I do want to make a big push to start filming my own content this year and to start using my platform to be able to work with other performers. So the way that studios are just set up is that, you know, we, we get, we get to do a scene and obviously we get to do a scene on a huge platform. So a lot of people get to see it. It brings a lot of fans into our account, which helps our you know revenue. But I kind of want to switch things up where I want to film, you know, scenes and movies and do cinematic stuff that I produce and direct my own. And we could do, you know, coordinated releases where we have, I get to work with multiple performers and we could each release it on all of our own platforms. So we could drive traffic to each other and help each other out instead of just getting paid for doing one scene outright and never getting to make the money on that content. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Well, I know no matter what you do, you're going to put your mind to it and you're going to knock it out of the park. You make such incredible content and I love just who you are and what you're doing and what you're about. I just, I know that whatever you get into, you're going to absolutely kill it. Thank you. Thank you. I I'm really excited for this year and just thank you for such a wonderful interview. Like I, I feel like I get, I get to do some kind of like, you know, basic water cooler ones, but like Austin King was an amazing, amazing interview and you were just such an amazing interview. It's so clear that you were actually doing your research and asking me questions that have been really made me think. And so I, I just appreciate you for your time. Oh, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you saying that one more time before I let you go. Can you please tell everybody where they could find you on social media? Oh yes. You can find me on Instagram at Daisy Tay Um, You know, no, no special Spelling D-A-I-S-Y-T-A-Y-T-A-Y, Daisy Tay-Tay on Instagram, at Here on Neptune on Twitter. You can also find me at my OnlyFans, at Here on Neptune. TikTok, Daisy Taylor with three Ys for Daisy and two Rs for Taylor. And same, at Here on Neptune for my YouTube. You can find me all over, and I'm sure you're going to see me on your Twitter feed because I've got a lot of things coming this year. 
Fantastic. So once again, thank you so much for your time, and I hopefully see you down the road. I know. I can't wait to actually get to meet you off the screen. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Dick. Thank you.